0: Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is my galactic co-host,
1: who always saves the day in a stellar way, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Andy, I would like to say that I'm lunarious, <laughs> but in fact, I am sweat major. Lupita. <laughs> I don't know how... We are going to talk about Um, Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. uh,
0: You know, a 1999 film, a a Disney Channel original movie that was really supposed to be a series pilot. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to dig into here. So do you want to just jump into some key facts? Please. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, um, the movie was supposed to be a series pilot and the series was canceled Sort of during pre-production and then the I project wonder why. <laughs> and then the project shifted into more of a movie of the week format. Um, the film is based on a children's science fiction picture book, Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, by Marilyn Sadler and Roger Bolin, a husband and wife uh, writing illustrating team. So in the book, Xenon Carr lives on a space station in the Milky Way. She dresses in black, she has hot pink moon boots, and she skates on her wheel-less hoverboard. She's sent to her aunt on Earth to keep her out of trouble. Um, She spends the summer with her grandparents, learning how to do old-fashioned chores by hand, and she learns to, quote, enjoy the comforting tick of the clock while playing checkers. And there are five books in the Xenon series. So in the first script, uh, director Kenneth Johnson claimed Cetus Lupidus and other invented slang was literally every other word uh, as he was as he was reading the first script. And to quote him, um, it is, and this is a quote I found of his, oh, my God, it drove you crazy. The trick is when you're trying to invent slang, it's a bit like inventing rock and roll stars. It's hard. <laughs> Lunarius, stellar. That's the alpha question. That sort of stuff started turning up in our editing room, but Chill Major became the big one.
1: So wait, 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 wait. You're saying that there is more slang (laughs) and jargon in the original screenplay, and what we are seeing, what we just watched, is the edited down version. Right, yeah. Where I was considering, like, if there should be a toggle that translates this to English. I had to use, there are times to, where they are there is so much jargon, Andy. There yes. are times where I have completely lost the thread of what they're saying.
0: Well, I had to turn on the uh the captions to try to figure out like to read what they were saying, because there was a lot of times I uh I just couldn't I was bumping my head all over the place. So to just okay. to understand what was happening. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe I'm old, but then my daughter, who is, you know, 18 was like,
1: what was that? (laughs) But I but I can't I can't imagine that there was at one point more. Oh yeah. Because there's clearly needs to be so much less. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting key facts, Andy. I'm sorry, but but you're you're shocking (laughs) the heck out of me. This is this is upsetting. Because my big note was, didn't they have a conversation about the fact that there was so much? Did they have that conversation? This was the compromise? This was the compromise. So Johnson, who
0: also did Alien Nation and Steel, had major concerns about this project. And in the press, he said he had three big concerns. The first, mm-hmm. the first is that he felt he needed a real rewrite and a lot of work from what he was hired to do. So Agree. He, he got his rewrite. This is the rewrite.
1: This this uh, is the rewrite. This
0: is the rewrite, yes. Second, he had a 14-year-old lead who was on every page and in every scene. And there are labor laws that prevent long days for younger actors, right? So that means that means you've got to, yeah, you've got to get her right on almost every take in the first, you know, but the big challenge, this movie is in a space station 50 years in the future and Earth 50 years in the future on a tiny budget. Now they ended up getting about $500,000 for special effects and okay. and 5 million for the film which you know should have gotten some should have gotten us somewhere somewhere. I, yeah, yeah. And and I think I think the things that they majored on um well let's talk about facts and we'll talk about my opinions okay. Um so
1: <sighs> <laughs> so I'm sorry so that was out loud. <laughs>
0: So, the writer, Stu Krieger, was on vacation with his family in Cape Cod, and he gets this call from the director, Kenneth Johnson, right? He doesn't have... And he asks... And Kenneth asks for a rewrite. He doesn't have a script with him, he doesn't have a computer, and he doesn't have a phone. This is 1999, right? So Uh uh, So, the team overnights a paper copy of the script to him, because he doesn't have it with him, and... And Stu Krieger takes meetings at a payphone on a Cape Cod beach. And he takes notes until late in the evening until the automatic lights go off at midnight. Like he's out there writing and all of a sudden the lights are off. So now he's in complete darkness on a payphone, on a beach, taking notes from a director. So, you know, people think there's a lot of glamour in the screenwriting life, but um, I think I think that story wins it for me. <laughs> and and I,
1: also, I it also may explain some things. <laughs> it explains so much. And I don't want anybody taking away the idea that this story is romantic and the end result was magic happened. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it is, this is not one of this, this is not an inspiring story. This, yeah. So listen, I'm coming in super snarky, India, and I want to apologize because. I know that some of our listeners like my snark, and this movie certainly deserves my snark. I don't like who this movie makes me, because I want to like movies. I, I want to same like Same here. Them. I really wanted to like this one. Um, I had talked to
0: somebody who was like, I remember watching that when I was really small. I think, so I think kids, I don't know if you've had this experience. I had this experience with um, with Peter Pan with the Mary mm-hmm. Martin stage version that they used to show on television when I was little. I mean, that's how old I am, right? And, um, sure. and I was like, I was enthralled with it. I thought it was amazing. And a few years ago, I tried to watch it and I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, it was just hard to watch, right? So when you're a child as an audience member, like, I think you forgive more because you don't, you're not a critic yet. Sure, um, you might give up on it because all of a sudden it's like, oh, where's that story going? Oh, I've got something more interesting to do, right? But I think for most children, you know, watching a girl kind of have agency in space—I mean, I could see where a kid could kind of, kind of get into there that. There is an
1: alternate version of this project, yes, where, 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 like, if you boil it down to its core ingredients, it has a lot going for it: Being strong female protagonist. Yes, uh she's in space mm-hmm. she's at the center of the adventure she's making the choices she's making the decision making. These are things that you and I espouse, yes, uh in our writing. These are things we want to see. We can make the case that Zenon is a stronger female protagonist than most Disney heroines of of. Yesteryear, yes, right, yes. She's got she's got stronger choices to make along the way, right? And yet, and yet, Andy. Yeah, like I think it's I, not that's not enough. The implementation isn't there.
0: Yeah, it, it there are a lot of things that are distracting, um, and and we'll get into some of that. But um why don't we uh why don't we start with the manish? Yeah, tana? get us
1: going. Yeah, start with manish. The So, we always ask with movies, why does this movie start where it starts? Why are we being introduced to our characters, our world, at the specific frame, the specific scene where we meet them? And uh, when we first meet Xenon, and I believe this is the opening of the movie, she is in bed, asleep, and suddenly she is awakened by a message that she recorded for herself the night before, right? Um, a a message which somehow has um, s- nearly s- psychic ability to understand exactly what second she's going to hit the clock, uh, throw something, sigh, groan. It it really is a conversation between Xenon and Xenon. So she, she she knows her. I mean. You could
0: look at that and be like, okay, she knows herself, right? She knows herself well enough that I'm like, all right, past self is going to rig up this video alarm clock to wake up present, future self, right? And so she's, we know she's got some problem solving skills. That's kind of a nice little thing. Um, It it is a tired trope, listener, (laughs) to start a movie with your protagonist getting out of bed in the morning. If you can find another place to start a film,
1: please do that. <laughs> you know what? We, we've Subvert seen it. it. Yeah. Subvert it. To have it, that it starts with the alarm clock going up. We go to the bed. No one's in the bed. Zenon's been up for hours studying, mm-hmm. studying her test. She's super prepared for the day and she just forgot to turn off her alarm clock. That would tell me a million times more about her. Right. That she's if she's someone who wakes up before her alarm clock than if she is the typical person who is awakened by her alarm clock. I want to see from the start what makes her extraordinary. And if and I think that would work for this movie. Yeah. Because it would tell us that when everybody else is still asleep, Xenon has been ready to, to face the day. She can't wait to get started.
0: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, she, she knows her way around, I mean... We do see some things she- like she knows her way around the space station, right? She's she's frequently in trouble. She makes it to school just in the nick of time. People kind of bail her out with breakfast, right? She's a huge microbe, um,
1: a microbe. Microbe is that right? A microbe fan, right? Sure. So, there- microbe is the name of a band. She's not actually into cellular biology, <laughs> right? So,
0: so there are things happening. Um,
1: man. Okay, I'll I'll, ta- I'll I'll take the ball. <laughs> yeah, okay. So so we get that typical teen opening. She's yeah. overslept because she always oversleeps. She cares about her appearance to the point that maybe breakfast is a secondary concern. Uh, when there are obstacles being thrown, not obstacles, but what what was what was the other word we were using last week? Uh, starts with the say um uh, complications there are complications that get in the way of her getting to breakfast getting to school uh there's a there's a pipe that's that's burst and it's closing down one avenue people expect her to be late every day she misses breakfast and every day the cafeteria worker who is her friend uh sneaks her some food who we never uh, see again <laughs> who we never see. There's a lot of things that are set up that we never, never. see again. That's right. That's right. Uh he gets to school and while she's in school, uh, having having finally gotten there and managed to make it on time, she is not late. Uh immediately she doesn't pay attention to class. Uh she immediately plugs in uh what we, we what we would now call her iPods, but at the time were just is just her headset, I'm sure. Uh and uh, immediately, like, is very excited because a band is coming to the space station where she lives. It it is her favorite band. No band has ever come to the space station before. Right. To the concert, she's the first person to know. Right. Um, so, it's a little tricky here. To to actually pinpoint inciting incident because we're getting a lot of world building, where where we should be getting plot. Right. Uh, we we know that Xenon has uh, a relationship with her parents that is somewhat strained, uh, particularly her relationship with her mom is strained. This is one of those uh, movies where where mom has. Mom has to be the serious person. Dad pretends to be a serious person, but is secretly just like the kid, unless um, mom is watching. Right. Uh, what, what else? Uh, we see that she has, uh, contemptuous, not contemptuous, but a complicated relationship with Commander Plank, who runs the space station. Mm -hmm. Apparently she's gotten in trouble with him several times before in a sort of Mr. Belding, Zach Morris saved by the bell kind of way. Right, 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 right. He feels more like a school principal than he feels like, you know, Kirk or Picard. Right, right. Uh, all of these things happen. What appears to be the inciting incident is that this concert is coming to sp- to to the space station, and Xenon wants to be the lucky person who is picked from the audience to to go up and dance with Microbe on stage. That, but that is not the inciting incident. No, no. <laughs> the actual inciting incident. Okay. Andy, yes. I'm throwing the ball back to you. What is what do you the think actual is- Well, I I think
0: I think to think about that we have to kind of there's a lot of exposition like you mentioned, right? So I'm going to back a up lot. Just, just a minute. Um, you think the inciting incident is going is the microbe? You know, I'm I'm doing this contest for microbe. I'm going to win it, and then she does right. So immediately, <laughs> immediately. So the contest is won way too easily and literally no one cares that she won. It's just a device to get her on the plane to the space station with a rock band at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie that comes back and not and, quite and, a Chekhov's gun, but it, it, uh, yes. <laughs> Chekhov's, you know, model, uh microbe model. Right. And, and you could absolutely make more of a meal out of this than, uh,
1: than's there. Right. Um, <laughs> When we're trying to identify the inciting incident, we're trying to say why is this you know why is this the thing that has changed her life forever? And this feels like an inciting incident because they say it's never happened before.
0: So, so what, what could? So, I think the real inciting incident of this movie, if there is one, <laughs> um, happens when Xenon heads to
1: Earth. So, but in between that, because yeah. you're, I think you're right, Andy. I think you're right. I think that is the real one. Uh, In between that, we have a second kind of inciting incident, which is that Parker Wyndham and Mr. Lutz, Parker Wyndham is this gazillionaire Mm -hmm. who's coming to the space station, and everyone is concerned, is he going to fund the space station or is he going to shut it down? Right. Right? And that his presence... Could also function as an inciting incident. This feels like a pivotal moment in the light, in the future of this space station, and Zenon is sort of in right right where the action is. Her parents are the big scientist stars that that you know if their research excites, Mr. Wyndham is going okay. to arguably make the decision. Um, there is a moment where it looks like Zenon might say the wrong thing to Mr. Wyndham and accidentally sabotage the whole thing, but she doesn't. She right. actually does such a good job that Mr. Wyndham is like, "Hey, you should be going to PR. I think you're, I think you're really great at this." Uh, and and that and then Zenon is in this place where she realizes that. Windham and Lutz are up to something sinister on the space station, and nobody believes her. And that could also sort of function as an inciting incident, because that hasn't happened before either. None of that is the inciting incident, and that is the... You know, I'm fond of saying the first 40 minutes of the movie and then Andy corrects me and say, no, Larry, it just felt like 40 minutes. It was actually 15. This was actually 40 minutes. (laughs) This is an actual 40 minutes of the movie. Right, 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 right. Zenon gets in trouble and is quote unquote grounded. And I think you're right, Andy. This is the actual inciting incident. Zenon is sent to Earth to live with her aunt Judy, but Andy, yes. it's too far into the
0: movie. Yeah, it, I know that they're trying to build a world, and I know that they're trying to, um, yeah. I mean, they're they're trying to build a world and at the same time, set up conflict for her. But the problem is, there is no conflict. That's one of the main problems with this script. In the beginning, in that first 40 minutes, and it, and you're like, well, but she's in trouble and whatever. But we don't really see her getting into uh, too much trouble.
1: Um, she does get into what I would consider major trouble, except the other characters don't respond to it like it's major trouble. At one point, she gets into a space suit right. and does like a walkabout outside the ship. She is not supposed to do that. She also has no real motivation to do that. It is very clearly a thing that you will get in trouble for doing. These people are not committing, like, the perfect crime. It is—no one makes a point of this— how extremely dangerous it is for a 14-year-old girl to go walking about on the outside of the space station. Right. I mean, this is—if this if this goes badly— This is... She dies, Um, right? She dies. Yeah. She dies. Dad is like, oh, Xenon, you're going to get in trouble for this. But but I would have done the same thing. Those colors were so great, right?
0: Um, So here's a fix, all right? Instead of starting with this kid out of bed, right? Getting out of bed in the morning. What if we start the movie with a kid on a forbidden spacewalk? Only we don't know it's a forbidden spacewalk. We think she's an explorer, and then her dad reels her in and we can learn everything look if we see someone in space i don't need 40 minutes of somebody telling me oh by the way we're on a space station like i know and i know what a space station is right um we introduce. what I, I knew uh, yeah you know, we can, <laughs> we can introduce the parents and introduce her right there and then introduce her promise to please stay out of restricted zones And then, bam, she's learned nothing about anything when she discovers Lutz. uh, And then
1: it's his word against hers. I've got a different fix. Okay. But it also works. Yeah? We don't start with the girl on the space station at all. We start with her on Earth. She wins a contest to go to a space station. And then when we go to the space station, we learn about it through the eyes of someone who's never been there, like us. All of the information that would be exposition feels organic because she needs to know it in order to function in that environment. Well,
0: I... Right? I, yeah, I mean, I think I think it works. And thinking about the original material, the source material, right? Like, the source material works. Like, if you have a kid who is you know, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, born and raised on a space station, right? Yeah. And they've never been to earth before. You have a great fish out of water story, but that's not what we have here. We have somebody who was born on earth. And when she was five years old, she goes to a space station. We learn all of that through exposition. And then she goes back and remembers now, no, 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 no. It needs to be, you know, I,
1: yeah, it, well so so here's the next thing that we're running up against. Yeah. She has been taught by her mother earth is a bad place to be. Right. It it is implied heavily that bad things happen on earth because earth is out of control and chaotic. Of course mother station- Of course mother
0: never says this, right? Mother we hear this from someone else that your mother said, right? So Right.
1: Yeah. You know, like if you go to Earth, like they don't control the atmosphere there. They don't. You you might sneeze, which is uncomfortable. There's like bad things that happen on Earth. Right. It's safer here. That's the that's the constant thing that people are like. It's safe to be on the space station. So when she go, is finally grounded and has to go to Earth, which is her punishment, right for for. Um, quote-unquote, lying about Wyndham and Mr. Lutz, although she has not been lying about Mr. Wyndham and, and Lutz. Um, put that aside, it is her punishment. When we go to Earth, I expect Earth to be the Hunger Games. I expect it to be dystopian. I, it, it will work if we're contrasting the space station as a utopia. And when we get to Earth, Earth is seriously messed up. But you know what it's our earth guys um it's it's not the, it's not even the Earth in the future, like she gets to eat onion rings, there are boys, she goes to a regular high school. it's not which i mean which could be terror. To, to I, some of us. <laughs> sure, but but the world's smallest violin for Zenon, oh no. Yeah. You know, like like I don't get upset for, for Superman when he loses his powers and he has to walk. Right. I'm like, oh boy, Superman, let me get out the world's smallest violin. Now you're like me? And so Zenon is now in the, the, the second world she goes to, which is Earth, is a more boring thing. It's something we, the audience, have, have seen in our own lives I want to be on the space station again the con- it's it's just not as exciting a place to be
0: yeah
1: and I think if we're saying the source material of this which I suspect is if you grew up in a space station Earth might seem scary but when you get to Earth you learn to love it. Right. Um uh, you have to if learn lessons the, on earth. You get literally being down to earth, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. If that's if that's what you're going for, I get that movie. But in fact, this is not that movie. No, it is not. Xenon learns nothing while she's on Earth. She meets a cute boy. There is a mean girl at school who's mean to her. But that is that is does not feel like it is, there are probably cute boys on the space station and there are probably mean girls on the space right. station. It She doesn't learn anything from being on Earth. And in fact, she hasn't really done anything to deserve being sent there because we know she's right. Right, I mean- like, She has nothing to learn she's, she's from not, being on Earth. That,
0: that is exactly right, Larry. She does not have a flaw. Really? I mean, that is one thing that I, like, well, she's in trouble. But she's in trouble for all the right reasons, right? Oh, she's in the recycling bin making things up. Oh, how terrible, right? Um, And she's not even, you know... In trouble for the Forbidden Spacewalk. It's like, well, just don't do that again. Girls don't... will
1: be girls. That's right. Every once in a while. We all have our story about how we risked explosive decompression uh, <laughs> right. and nearly made all of our friends uh, a witness to our gruesome implosion in space. We all have that story. <laughs> who who among us hasn't done
0: that? Uh, But, like, here, here's the thing, Larry. So if the stakes are so high that her parents are about to lose their jobs and the family lose their home if this space station gets shut down, right? Xenon needs to be trying to be as compliant as possible, which we know is kind of a shift for her, right? But she doesn't even, if that is, if there's one flaw she has, that doesn't even seem to matter. But again, the stakes really aren't presented in a way that makes them all that high. It's like, oh no, if we don't get this money...
1: I'm not really sure okay, what we got, happened, we got right? to get through plot because yeah. this is going to be a three-hour podcast if we don't. So, uh, so rising action. Yes. she's on Earth. She's staying with her aunt Judy. She goes to high school, but she found what she thought was a pe- a piece of jewelry that that is actually a computer file uh, that. Th- it belongs to our bad guys. Right. The bad guys want this back. She's wearing it as an earring. When she realizes the bad guys want the what she thought was a piece of trash, she enlists the aids of aid of the cute boy and the other boys at school and and what have you to discover that in fact the thing on her ear is in fact has a virus in it that destroys whatever computer system it's uploaded to. That virus must have been uploaded to the space station. She calls her parents, who are distracted by the fact that the space station is failing. She calls them to tell them that the reason the space station is failing is because a virus has been uploaded to it by our villains. Her parents respond Zenon, we don't have time for your nonsense. Stop telling us why the space station is failing. We have to fix the space station. It's failing. That happens yep. in this movie. Yeah. They are convinced the reason she wants to get back to the space station is because she wants to dance with her favorite band. So no one believes Xenon. The villains are out to get her. This I'm making it sound exciting. It is not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, Are, I, like I said, you're you're giving this much more life than the movie actually has.
1: <laughs> the villains at no point realize that Xenon is a 14 year old girl, mm-hmm. and they could probably just knock her down and take it from her. But uh, okay, so Xenon's got to get back to the spaceship, uh, space station, because she and her friends create an antivirus program somehow, mm-hmm. somehow. I'm, that that They're part geniuses. that was easy, that was easy. No, you um, know what
0: would be easier would be getting a uh, insurance company to insure a space station.
1: <laughs> that would be. Easier. I mean, <laughs> what were those deductibles like? Right. I don't. I don't even want to know. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, so they have they have an antivirus program, uh, fine, and they try to get to a ship that's going to go there. They try to get to a ship. They don't get on the ship. But then uh, Zenon realizes, wait a second, we could get on the ship that the band is taking <gasps> to do the concert in space. How convenient. So, <laughs> so It's very convenient. Um, she is able to drive through military checkpoints uh, because apparently, you know, I've always thought that like the military would shoot you if you tried to ride your car through the barricade. Nope. They're just like, huh. We should have planned for that. Someone trying to that that completely stymies. I mean, she literally just drives through the barricade and they're like, should should we have had a plan to stop people from doing that? I I thought, I thought standing here would We need a better barricade. We need a better Guys, barricade. People in the future are dumb. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, she get she meets Protozoa, uh, who is the leader of the microbes. Um and Con- convinces him to take her on the shuttle to the concert cuz she's the contest winner uh the and why, two and leaders <laughs> the two leaders of the the two bad guys get on the spaceship with them but get stuck in the back of the spaceship contained that is and Aunt Judy also gets on the spaceship too, and they all fly to the space station at the exact moment where the space station is about to collapse. Mm -hmm. And now you would think our villains, who had no intention of being on the space station when the space station collapsed, would immediately go, oh, maybe we should get on board with not having the space station that we inhabit self-destruct because our lives are now at stake. But they continue to say that Xenon is a liar, and um they have no real escape plan. They just committed. They just committed. It is now worth their lives, the insurance. I, I don't know. Andy, if you told me that the plan was to destroy the band, that they're blowing up the space station because they really hate the music that Microbe and Protozoa play, I would believe that too. Xenon <laughs> is unable to convince anybody. That the thing that she's been saying all along—that the space station has been sabotaged—is uh, true, even though the space station has clearly been sabotaged, and everybody has no idea why. S- they lock her in a room. Her best friend Nebula helps her to escape that room. Uh, Zenon gets the antivirus program to the to the mainframe. All of the damage is immediately undone. The bad guys are revealed and captured. And Zenon is a hero, and then we get to what's really matters—the concert. Um, And uh, she she does. Do you feel like the concert was supposed to be the climax? I think the. I mean, I think I passed the climax because it's hard to identify the climax. Well, I think the climax is the moment
0: when she's punching the. The you know she she saved just the last second. That that seems to be the climax to me, but. But then there's a, I I would call the micro concert falling action. But I it's think it, but action. I think yeah. it, I think it's supposed to be a climax.
1: I was I was so eager to get through plot I forgot what we were doing that I was supposed to identify things along <laughs> okay. along the way. Um it's hard to identify yeah. things in the This script. is this is Xena, There's a love story in there also. There's a boy she likes mm-hmm. they oh, never yeah. really kiss. They almost kiss, but it's Disney Channel, so they never really kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, apparent, and apparently they're going to do a long-distance relationship because Xenon is still in space and he's back on Earth. Well, the good and, thing here uh, is
0: that he does... Uh, you know, It is a boy and his horse, right? And, sure. Because uh, you need to he, learn he, how... To-
1: he has horses and she rides a horse for the first
0: time. Yeah, she needs to learn how to ride a horse. But, but again, if you're going to take the time in a film... Introduce a horse to ride or a bicycle to ride.
1: You need a horse. She needs to use those skills later. Right. Andy, in order to install her antivirus program, (laughs) she should have to go out and do a spacewalk. Yeah. She should have to. Yes. That was set up at the beginning of the movie that she can do that. Yeah. So at the end, she needs, should have like had to be outside the space station fixing it as everybody else looks on because. We need because somebody these, really small to do this. I can do I mean, this, essentially right? we yeah. watch someone we watch someone install, you know, Norton Antivirus mm-hmm. onto the space station as as the final action sequence. Right. Right. And and I've done that. <laughs> I was gonna say you could be the protagonist for this movie. Right? I I I uh. would say I am relatable in a way in which C9 is not. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay. Okay. I, I know you want to
0: talk about uh, traveling from world to world and why this is sort of a problem in this script.
1: Yes. Um, so, do you want me to do that now? Yeah, and, and, let's and do you it. Can do your thing. Yeah. So so here is here is the thing that I want to say. Generally speaking, in a movie, we want to spend the middle of our of our movie in a really cool location. It's okay to be someplace a little bit boring at the beginning of our movie and then have our inciting incidents get us to that exciting place. But generally speaking, we want to watch Alice go to Wonderland. We don't want to watch Alice uh, sitting in the flowers listening to her sister lecture. We want to see Wendy in Neverland, but not so much in the nursery. The The movie can be bookended with the boring normal place, mm-hmm. but you don't want the normal place to be in the middle. Now, this can be done. You, you can do it where normally you're in the exciting place, the fish out of water. Literally, sure. that is The Little Mermaid. Yes. Ariel begins in the more exciting place, the under-the-sea place. She goes on land, and for me, my energy... Dips a little bit whenever she's on land. We'll talk about that when we do The Little Mermaid. Uh But what gets us through her being on land is, number one, she is so not navigated to what life in that world would be like. And number two, she has a strong, clear direction that she has tasks she clearly needs to accomplish. Uh, Mm -hmm. To move the story forward that the narrative drives us through that area till we can get back under the sea. Zenon gets to Earth and it almost feels like the movie accidentally sent her there because once she's there, she has nothing to do. She has nothing to do. She's learning about that world, but it doesn't seem to be setting her on a path for anything. And when we journey to the other world, when we travel to Oz, along the way in Oz, things need to be there that fundamentally change us so that even when we get back home to Kansas, we are no longer the the same little girl with her dog that left before. I've learned the value of brains, heart, and courage. I take those lessons. I incorporate them into myself. When I come back, Everyone is surprised that I am a different person, a stronger person right, right. than I was when I began my journey. But because Xenon is so strong at the beginning of this movie, she she her circumstances change by being on Earth. She herself doesn't. No. She learns nothing about her. If this movie ended with her saying to her parents, I want to go back to Earth, right? Right. Earth is better than this space station. You've been trying to control me and Earth is a place where I can be free. That would be something. The world needs, the second world you go to needs to change and challenge everything you believe in. And in this movie, that does not happen. No, it doesn't. Um, And
0: I think The Little Mermaid is an apt analogy. Um, We have to see her you know, Ariel, of course, is very, very confident in yes her her in the world, same way Zena right? Is.
1: Right? Yes, she's disobedient in the same way Zena so is. So, if you want to
0: use the other world, then knock the legs out from under this person. You know, but it seems like she adapts really quickly, which like begs the question. Like, there's this there's this moment, and they make it really clear to say, "Oh, she was here when she was five years old." Why? Why was she there when she was five years old? Like, what is? The, what do we gain from that? Because I almost no, think... No, she should like, never
1: have been there. She no, should have been
0: born in space. absolutely. And then all of a sudden, oh, gosh, this is all very new to me. Like, she's touching things, and things are the flowers, and, you know, all the things that she's noticing.
1: She doesn't seem to notice much. Um, and she doesn't get enough <clears throat> wrong, either. Right. Like, Ariel... Thinks the fork is going to give her a new do, right? Right, like right. She's gonna She puts it in her hair and she twists it around. Zenon doesn't know like some of the slang at school, right? She doesn't know how to ride a bike. Um, she, but, but none of that is interesting because she, she, she's not, she, she's not like totally clueless. It's literally she's moved to a new school and things are a little different there. Yeah, it's not as drastic a shift, right? I think the camera work would like for us to think it's a drastic
0: shift that I, there's gravity and anti gravity, and it's like, hmm.
1: Don't if we have time? We should talk about the camera work, but but, but that's will. not even storytelling. <laughs> uh, I have stuff about that too, but I want I want you to make your points about this movie. Yeah, so
0: you know, there's a lot of I'm a real um, like one of the things that I think is really important in screenwriting is is getting your dialogue right, and there are three. Three things. I, mean, I could go on with others, but I kind of picked three things that I think would be helpful. Um, there are a lot of jokes in this in this um, movie that I sort of bump my head on. Um, kids don't use, 14-year-old kids don't use phrases like humble halls," Like, oh, you've graced our humble halls." What? Nobody says that when they're 14. Or don't applaud, just send cash. Um are, are quoting William Shakespeare, right? If they were thirty, maybe, uh, but fourteen-year-olds, unless you set up a Shakespeare bit where they were all reading Shakespeare or something at the beginning, uh, it's just not part of the story. Um, if you're going to introduce like President Chelsea Clinton, right? She should. Oh God, she I should, forgot about that. Which was funny. I mean, it's kind of a funny little bit. But if you're going to do that, uh, like, pay it off, right? Um, So if you're going to write 14-year-old dialogue, you should probably hang out with some 14-year-olds and not just create this made-up slang for them. Because my guess is 14-year-olds don't change all that much, aren't going to change all that much 50 years into the future. Um, They're just kind of 14-year-olds, or at least your audience who's going to be watching this needs to connect to the 14-year-olds of the future, right?
1: Fourteen year olds, look, I'm not I don't want to say what I'm about to say. I'm about I was about to say 14 year olds are not complicated. No. Fourteen year olds are complicated. Yes. I, I don't mean to say that. Right. But we have all been 14. Right. It is what i when I say when I when I wanted to say it was not complicated, what I really meant to say is it's not alien. It's not alien to right. us what 14 year olds want. And when a 14 year old
0: opens their mouth, they don't sound like they're 40.
1: Which is they do not. Which you know may,
0: be, uh, anyway. It's it, getting that authentic voice for the character. I think is and characters around them. I think is really important.
1: Here is I think the central issue, I, and this is dialogue mm-hmm. um, related. Okay, is that all of Zenon's dialogue shows. That she's actually very respectful to the adults that she speaks to. Oh, yeah. To she says things like throughout yes, the ma'am. movie. Right. She, yes, she she's polite. And look, it's a Disney movie, and they want to model appropriate behavior. Sure. I get that. But the truth of the matter is, 14 is an age at which you are rebelling against authority figures. Right. You you really start to heavily indulge in sarcasm uh you say disrespectful things and hurtful things without thinking about it right and and it's not this is adults writing for respectful 14 year olds but it's not truthful right. to what the experience of being 14 is when you're 14 you think your parents are lame right you think your teachers are lame you 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 think you know more than they do In this world, they are respectful of the adults and actually do know more than the adults know at any given moment. It's it doesn't feel it does the part of this movie that's not supposed to feel real is the setting, right? Right. People are always supposed to feel real, and that gets conveyed through dialogue. Right. I, I mean, and, and so
0: the the reality of what's happening, there's there's a lot of dialogue here that's used for exposition. And I get that because, like, in some ways I get that because the budget, their budget constraints. Right. And so sometimes you hear about something happening as opposed to just seeing it happen. Sure. But there are things that we see happen that I'm like, that took a lot of money to make that shot. Why don't we make more of a meal of it? So instead of we have this experiment happening that is blah, 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 or a speech where we learn about the necessity of Wyndham's arrival. How about we just see the experiment or sure. Wyndham just shows up, right? And then if you're going to use the dialogue for exposition, get in there and get out quick. Who's that? Well, that's Wyndham, blah, 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 blah. We don't need you know, a, a whole, the commander to stand before everyone and give a three minute speech as to why this is going, to, why this is necessary. Um It's a, it's a 30, se- I mean, it's a 15 second interchange and, and save your money. Right.
1: There, there, this movie could be saved. It could be saved. There, there are ingredients here that could work. Yes. yes. It, But, but it, this is a, uh, this is, there's massive construction that needs to be done. Dialogue, plot, and character work. I oh. mean, that those are the three
0: pillars. The movie starts life as a pilot. And I think sure. we see more characters introduced here than if we, than we would if it was just a straight script from the beginning, right? So instead of talking about straight characterization, it might be good to talk about how these characters function in relationship to our protagonist and what her goals are as opposed to why are they here right i i mean i, I and I, like i said if if i were writing a tv pilot and i expected something to be a tv pilot and it's being made and then all of a sudden it's like oh by the way this is a movie of the week now oh my gosh how scary would that be right yeah as a writer i think it's doable I think all the elements are here, but um boy, that would be that would be kind of frightening. So, do especially-
1: we want to start by talking about Xenon and then move to the yeah. other characters in relationship to her? What they're do- yeah, so, let's do that. So, I think I don't want to talk about the acting of of Xenon. It's a fourteen year old girl playing a fourteen year old girl, mm-hmm. and considering the constraints the dialogue that's that's being delivered here i don't i don't think the flaws in the portrayal of xenon are acting flaws um i think xenon on paper is a good strong protagonist uh she's smart she's adaptable mm-hmm. she uh has a good heart she knows right from wrong she speaks her mind and is assertive this is all good stuff mm-hmm. What would be great is the recognition that she has a flaw and the, and for this movie or pilot to address that the flaw is the thing in xenon that needs to be fixed right And the flaw I I would borrow from Alice in Wonderland, which is that Zena gives herself very Zena gives herself very good advice but very very seldom follows it. Right, uh, might be something that she does things uh, on in, she has impulse control problems, and that gets her into trouble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That could be something. It feels like the movie is making her the flaw that she's too assertive, that she speaks her mind too much. Mm-hmm. And that's not a flaw. no, that's leadership. That's what we want for our daughters, right? right. right. we We want our daughters to speak their mind and to be independent. And they present it as a flaw. They also present it as a power. And it's 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 just there. Well, and it's,
0: it's unfortunate because I think she does a good job with the material I do, she's I do, given, I agree. right? And, and, and again, she knows everything. She wins everything. She never really learns anything. The only time she, I'll take that back. The only time she learns something is when she's with a horse, right? And she has no reason to ever use that horse again.
1: I mean, that's learning a skill, though.
0: That's not that's right. Not inner growth, right, right, right. And she has no real opponents. I mean, I'll, I'll make that argument. I mean, she she isn't on Earth for an hour before she has a boy fawning over her. Margie's not really an opponent. She no. she doesn't feel threatened by her. I mean, she no. Margie tries a threat, and Xenon's in her face saying, "You know, I'll use your face for Halloween, right?" As a mask. So that's not helpful. And then you know, so there's no real conflict here. Um, and, and I would say she needs to be the one doing the work on the computer and not these boys.
1: Yes. Like that, That I was like, come on. And that's not her fault. Again, Why not her fault either. Why are they better at computers than she is? She grew up on a space station. Exactly. She should definitely be exactly. better at computers than they are. They can't use computers. They can't play their video games that day. She can't use her computer Explosive decompression happens at in the space station outside. Exactly, when she goes on a spacewalk. I, I'm with you on that. That so the real the real problem with Zenon is not that she's strong and it's not that she's independent. It's that there's no real flaw for her to to work on. Yeah, and and that's unfortunate because. The flaw is the thing that will, in every episode of a TV series, get your main character into trouble. right? Fraser Crane is smart and makes but but he is prideful. It is not his intelligence that gets him into trouble. It's It's the fact that he's too proud to ask for help, that every week that is what will get him into trouble. The fact that he thinks he's smarter than everyone else will get him into trouble. Um, Xenon gets into trouble because circumstances require her to be heroic. Mm -hmm. That's not a flaw. No, no. Let's talk about Nebula. Um,
0: and thank God for her here. She she delivers her lines well. She improvises and what she has to work with, she works. Um, can I borrow Lincoln Simone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She picks up the, she picks up the she's you know in in uh Xenon's closet. She's like, Can I borrow this? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun. And and she she delivers her lines in a way that that actually make me laugh. The big problem, the huge, huge problem is there should be conflict if you're going to wrap up something and give Nebula a big gift at the end, there needs to be some conflict between Xenon and Nebula. Nebula needs to be jealous about the wind. Maybe she doesn't help Xenon. Maybe she shuts her out when she's in space. And this makes this Xenon's kind of, yeah, like maybe, maybe she doesn't believe her when she discovers Lutz. Maybe she lies to Nebula. There are, there are, Thousands of permutations here, but here's, there needs to be some sort of rift
1: between these two girls. I think it's even bigger than that. I think you're right. A rift between them, a Ron Weasley, Harry Potter sort yes. of I'm tired of being in your shadow with yes, here, yes. Here's but here's an even bigger problem with Nebula. In what way is Nebula a different person than Zenon? What personality trait does Nebula have that Xenon? doesn't have, or vice versa. Nebula isn't present at the moments where Xenon is present. Right, right, right. So, but I get the sense she would do the exact same things Xenon does if she'd been there. Like, Nebula didn't see Lutz go into the memory bank to install the virus, so she doesn't believe it. But Xenon knows it because Zinnan was there. That's not a personality difference, right? They are the same person. Nebula is sim- simu- similarly unflawed.
0: Like I Zenon mean, like I said, she's working. Un-
1: she's working
0: with some really flat. She's a great actor because she's working with some really Death. flat material. It's um, not a performance issue. I no, just, no, it is.
1: Is she doesn't have anything. To do. She does an amazing job with the nothing that she has to do here. Right. Um, but I don't get a sense that they are different people. They're just in different bodies. Right. They're just in different places. They're both perfect.
0: Right, right. All right. So Commander Edward Plank, uh played by Stuart Pankin, who I really like is a who's great been actor. Everything. Should, well, he should be doing a lot more, right? He he should should be standing before he should be standing before a group um, acting like a cult leader of and making everyone applaud for the the money they're trying to get for the space station. Right. I mean, I think he's I think he should be Xenon's he can be the commander, but he should also be Xenon's dad who's embarrassed by Xenon's actions. Right. Instant conflict ratchets it up.
1: I'm Now I'm interested because she's... A strict father-daughter relationship. Yes, yes. I like that. I was going to go a different direction, but I like what you have. My, mine was going to be, um, what if you were the commander of the space station and you really thought your arch nemesis was a 14-year-old girl on the space station <laughs> and your primary objective was to get that girl off? Yeah. Get her off the space station, off your ship. He is... I think not mean, not, he's not, he's not, he's not a jerk to her unnecessarily. She does cause problems, mm-hmm. but I want, I want him a little more Captain Ahab hunting down the whale. Yeah. Make yeah. him the villain of the story. Like, like maybe even have it be to the point where you've gone mad, Captain, you're framing a 14 year old girl for mutiny. I don't, I don't know. Right. Right. Um, But, but he's, He's set up like an antagonist, but he really is Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Uh, he's just, he's not really a threat. He's not really an authority figure. Uh, I i hear you that he is underutilized, and yet for the for the dignity of the actor, I, I was sort of grateful for that because I didn't need to see him get a pie in the face or fall down the garbage chute, and I, right. I thought for sure that stuff was gonna happen.
0: Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh So Greg and Astrid Carr, who are Xenon's parents, my
1: my big note is they don't seem to love her. They do not love her. They say they love her. They do not love her. They are monsters. We're going to come back and get you just as quickly as we can. No, you're not. You just got her out of the way. Yes. Yeah. Commander Plank doesn't exile Xenon. No. Commander Plank says to them, you really have to punish her for what she's done here, and I, want, I, I need to know that it's a real punishment that she'll learn from. And her parents say, we're sending you to Earth. And here is the real reason that they're monsters. Mm-hmm. Let's put aside the fact that they're prioritizing their career over their daughter. Right. Right? Fine. Let's put aside the fact that they don't believe their daughter when she tells them the truth they do not apologize to her she was right everything she said to them was true at no point in the movie did she lie to them and repeatedly they didn't believe her She to the point where it forces her to take extreme actions in order to save their lives Mm -hmm. and we do not get a scene where honey I'm so sorry we didn't believe you all those times that you were telling the truth. We get them hugging at the end of the movie. Oh, we're so proud of you. You should have been proud earlier. Yep. You should have known who she was. Mm -hmm. You sent her away because you didn't believe her when she was telling the truth. I hate her parents. Yeah, they—they don't don't love her. That's it. she gets more love from Aunt Judy. Oh, who on is, Earth, who is the best part of
0: this script? Right, Aunt Judy. So. Aunt Judy talks about her fears. She talks about her needs. She talks about what she can and can't do. And if she, if she had had a flawed Xenon, who was feeling, who was really kicking herself, right? And mm-hmm. she had moments where she and Xenon could connect, and then Xenon revealed some of her flaws. And then, and Judy could help her see that what her thing, you know, her they aren't really flaws, but they're assets, right? That would be incredible.
1: I, I want to talk about Aunt Judy for just a moment. Sure. Because I, I think it's, I think it's an important point in this. Aunt Judy has been abandoned by the rest of her family to be on Earth. Yes. Her sister, who is her only family, took her niece and her brother-in-law to a space station, and left Aunt Judy alone. And I'm not saying that decision was easy. But when Zenon comes to Aunt Judy, I was expecting Aunt Judy, Aunt Judy to be this strict, um, you know, sort of like, I, you know, I'm gonna fix you uh, Aunt Sarah. I expected her to yeah. be Aunt Sarah yeah. from from Lady and the Tramp. But instead, Aunt Judy is like, I finally have a family again. There's someone in my life to care about again. I never thought I'd have kids. I don't think I like kids. But Zenon, I realize I've been missing out. I love you yeah. immediately. And, and it is monstrous to think that her sister has turned living with Aunt Judy into a punishment. 100%.
0: Like, it, it's it, just a weird... And again, it makes the parents even
1: more monstrous than... Zenen should choose Aunt Judy over her parents. Oh, 100. Living yeah, on Earth yeah. with Aunt Judy is better because Aunt Judy respects her. hmm Here's the truth. Aunt Judy does not pretend to be perfect, is aware of her flaws, and is working on them. Right, right, right. And that is a model of... Feminine empowerment mm-hmm. that I enjoy—the idea of I am constantly working to make myself better, even if I stumble along the way—as opposed to the idea that feminine empowerment is being perfect all the time. Right. I don't think that's empowering. I think that's an. I think that's setting setting the standard way too high. We are works in progress. Yes. As people, and Judy is a work in progress, and Mom thinks she has all the answers, and Mom does not. No, Mom has very few. (laughs) I hate her mom.
0: (laughs) She's awful. She's awful. I really do. Oh, it's it's so, so, oh, yeah,
1: okay. Suddenly, Goofy feels like a great father figure (laughs) to me. I'd rather have Goofy (laughs) than than Astrid.
0: Yeah, so Parker Wyndham. um... Why is it so important uh, that he, this antagonist, know everything about a band or pop culture to impress the children on the ship?
1: Why? I don't... So what we... What eventually... Because the movie reali- recognizes this as a flaw, yeah, right, right. That that the same time that Wyndham is blowing up the space station, he's actually sending a rock band up to the space station, and the movie is, and that's why I said, like, if you told me his plan wasn't about the space station at all, he just hates this band and he wants to kill them. It makes, I think it more, makes sense more sense that, right, way. right, 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 right. I mean, it's 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 nonsensical uh... that way too. But what Lutz says is your plan was brilliant. Mm-hmm. If you're the one sending the band up to the space station, no one would ever think you're the person who blew up the space station because it makes no sense. To, they're trying to turn a bug into a feature. It makes no sense that you're sending a band up there right. if you're going to blow it up. Well, it would and be, that's it, why it's brilliant. It would be but f- it's not brilliant. <laughs> it just makes no sense.
0: If It'd be a far better movie if if Wyndham somehow sucked Xenon into his sphere you know and 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 made her that pr agent did something with her right did some th- sort of thing where she's in charge of something and she's this wunderkind who's in charge and and then she discovers him to be a liar she's got this animosity toward her parents and then oh no he's going to blow them up he's going to destroy my folks i mean that's that's more interesting to me
1: i'm i mean i mean The the truth of the matter is, what we've said in a lot of these movies is your antagonist needs to have a personal relationship with your protagonist that makes the conflict between them more than just business as usual. Right. And I don't get the sense that Wyndham recognizes Zenon as his adversary. Um, I don't think there's a comment being made that, that there's nothing about... Uh, Wintom that makes us say, oh, this is what Xenon would be like if only she didn't know love. There, there's no parallel between them. Uh, I kind of, I, I think, you know, my, I'm working this out as I say it, so I may end up saying nonsense here. But I think the idea of... If we got invested a little more time in our antagonist, we would give something for Xenon to work off of. What if Wyndham was someone who lived on the space station and at a young age was grounded? Right. Was, was just like she has been grounded from Earth. And for him, it made him bitter that there are all of these people who think that they're a Above him, literally gods, while the rest of them are on Earth, and that's why he wants to tear them down. Well, or L- you, could, dis-
0: you could do the same thing with Lutz, right? That, Either of them. Yeah, that dude. That dude literally pops out of nowhere all the time. It. I, I agree with you. Like, I think it would be so much better if Lutz was more powerful in the beginning because he's not uh, powerless. Uh, powerless, and so I want to see an uphill struggle. For Xenon to overcome her antagonist, right? Not only does she not have a relationship with her antagonist, she they are way too easily defeated.
1: Let's let's get biblical with this. And yeah. in the sense of if we treat, I, I'm making this up as we go along, so forgive me if I go into blasphemous territory here. But if we treat the space station like it's heaven, <laughs> and we treat Xenon like she's sure. a fallen angel who has been cast. Out of the heavens to earth. There you go. And awesome. Wyndham similarly had been cast out of heaven, but wants revenge against heaven. Yes. And when Zenan is down there, she is dealing with the fact that she has legitimate resentment against her parents and everyone on that ship for sending her down there. And like, that's a darkness in her. <laughs> she has to get over the anger of, of being exiled, but Wyndham is the person who never got over it, then we have a movie. Yeah. Then we have a protagonist-antagonist relationship. Yes. Then we have Wyndham saying to Zenon, you know what they're like, you're the only other person in this world who I thought would understand mm-hmm. what it was like to lose heaven. You should be with me on this. Mm-hmm. We will We will clink glasses as we watch the skies burn. That might be a little too dark for a Disney Channel original movie. Right. So maybe you tone it down a little bit and don't go the extreme direction I went with it, but thematically it's it's real. Yeah. It's yeah. something.
0: Yeah, I mean it's
1: yeah, let's talk about Your themes. Your villain can't be an afterthought.
0: Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about themes. I you know, we always laugh about um how every movie the theme is redemptive love. This movie is missing redemptive love.
1: Because she's not redeemed. Because she no. was, she never did anything wrong in the first place. That's exactly right. This movie
0: needs heart. It's not about a girl falling in love on Earth with a 14-year-old who somehow knows how to flirt like an adult male, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's about a girl, it should be, I think, about a girl running away to Earth to discover that all she treasures in life is on that space station. And that she will do anything to fix it. And I mean, the the if everything you love is the, you know there it's like there's no place like home, right? There needs to be something that uh, she's she's running away from, and she's just not. She's sick. it just doesn't make any sense. There's the so teenage much teenage
1: experience, yeah, yeah. Teenage experience that all is, the grass you is always green. Against right? your parents to discover that you love your parents. And this movie yeah. is your pa- is not that this movie is your parents don't understand you. So you have to work even harder. All of the burden on maintaining your relationship with your parents is thrust on you, the child, in order to make those relationships work, which is a horrible message. Mm-hmm. That's not how it is. No, no. And, and again, or, or if it is or if it is, it shouldn't be. Or if it, it
0: is, or if it is, it needs to be shown that that's not okay. You know, yes. like something. And needs then to live with Aunt there. Judy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. get get yeah, get a positive. So so, but this movie, I don't think gave any thought to theme, and I think it's pretty clear that we've spent <laughs> more time in this past hour trying to impose a theme on this movie. Yeah. When in fact, this movie—if you said, "What is this movie about?"—they'd be like, "Girl in space." Girl in Space. Yeah. What. Yeah. What. What part of Girl in Space do you not get, Andy? That's it. I mean, That's all there is.
0: I, I, yeah. I mean, I even if you took a film and you kind of said, okay, it's Little Mermaid but in space, right? Or it's, yeah. it's Alice just in Wonderland or it's in space. I mean, that would be better because that, then at least you would be mirroring or watching tropes. This this movie is pretty ambitious and it just doesn't just doesn't get the job done. And it's I, not the I, fault of the actors. I, no. I truly think it's the part of, you know, and it may not even be the fault of the director. I feel like the, this was one of those movies where there are too many
1: cooks in the kitchen. This that That's exactly it. This is groupthink. Yep. And, and the problem with groupthink is that everybody involved in the groupthink shares the blame, even if there were voices in the groupthink who were arguing, you know, when you've got some people saying this needs a ton of Cetus Lupidus in it, that's what'll save this movie. And you're the voice in the group saying, actually, can we cut that bit? And you end up with Cetus Lupitas, but only half of Cetus Lupitas through the movie. It's still not good. And you, there, there are no heroes. There are no heroes in groupthink. And uh, and yeah. It's the perfect space where though. I mean, Cetus Lupidus. Sure. <laughs>
0: So. All right. Well, pitch time. So, given this film and the two sequels, and there were sequels, friends, Xenon uh, the Zequel and Xenon oh, Z and Xenon Z three. <laughs> oh God, Andy, that's coming. That's coming for us. We're not done. No, no, no. They weren't in the twenty. They weren't in the twentieth uh, century. Oh, so we're, we're yeah. spared. We're yeah, spared. but you know we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> what would we do with this material? give a thought i have rendered i've rendered larry speechless i actually have a no moment. no you I've, want I've, me to go first okay you've got I, one okay
1: you can go first i i i have one but you do yours first and yeah okay. give me a
0: moment i would rewrite this whole thing and add conflict mm-hmm. um the picture mm-hmm. book is incredible i would follow it more closely for the adaptation um, I'd have Xenon born on a space station and being banished to Earth because she's she's a perceived threat or she chooses to live uh, or she somehow she either thinks she's a threat or she doesn't like her parents or she's banished to Earth because she's a perceived threat because she knows too much or whatever. Um, she's sent to live on a farm with her grandparents where she has no access to anything. And then the farm is ransacked by the Wyndham organization looking for the chip. Right. Xenon starts Mm -hmm. worrying about her family, maybe for the first time. And she does whatever she can to get back to space. Make her more tech savvy and more capable. But we have to, she has to have flaws. She has to have obstacles in her path to keep her from getting to where she needs to go. She does not need a boy to help her. She needs, she can fight all of her own battles. And she doesn't have, you know, to get the skill sets she needs, uh, she can find those there on the farm. And what she learns on the farm, I think she takes back to the station, uh, the space station, to actually save the day. Okay. Also, I would use the budget constraints to my advantage. Lock down that camera. <laughs> talk about the Wyndham gravity generator that creates life just as it was on the home planet, and stop with the constant movement. And you're trying to simulate. Gravity to give every to make every give everybody motion
1: sickness. <laughs> I I will make this point and then I'll give my pitch. All right, uh, viewer, uh, listener, the camera work made me nauseous here, and I don't mean I don't mean like I was sickened internally. I mean like motion sick. The, yeah. The camera the camera is twirling around at rapid speeds, off, often at like angles that aren't so much interesting as they are jarring and sudden and i really if you have motion sickness take a dramamine before you uh okay so my disclaimer yeah so so my pitch is this we are in the 21st century now when this movie came out in 1999 that was the future that isn't the future i'm taking away everything but the thing i'm keeping is the title Xenon girl of the 21st century. Uh Uh-huh. And the premise here is Xenon is one of us. And she's, she's at a lab. She gets frozen in a capsule. She comes out into the future. She's a 21st century girl trying to find her way in the 22nd century, in the 23rd century. So she is our guide to this future and what she does is she brings what wisdom there is from the 21st century and andy i don't know what wisdom we have but let's assume we've got something uh, we got that the something. 22nd that the 22nd century has lost and that by by coming to that future um she she is in some ways like like she's got stuff to learn from them but also, she's reviving some of their spirit. She's bringing something back to them that they have value. Maybe she didn't really fit in in the 21st century. Uh, maybe, but maybe now in the future, she's found the place she really belongs. It's about it's about finding home when home is offered in a in a in a strange land. And I don't need to use any of the characters from from the or plot or. Anything from that other <laughs> other uh movie. I think what I've got is better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even though as I'm saying this, I think I just ripped off Futurama. Or uh Idiocracy, which... Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, okay. Very possibly. <laughs> it's okay. Very possibly. But it, it feels it feels better to me. We're linked to our protagonist. Yeah. She's not constantly speaking nonsense we don't understand. Um she can, we can learn the terms. As she learns the terms. Right, right. We can learn the world as she learns the world. And then we can see her change that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well that was a lot. <laughs> Sorry I put you through that, Larry.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when Aunt, when I pick the movie, we do the Muppet movie. And when Andy picks the movie. <laughs> No, okay. So no, indeed, I really, no, I, I
0: did. I wanted, here's the thing, I, and, and our listeners can maybe appreciate this. It's like, why did you make me watch this? Because I think sometimes, you know, we watch really good movies and we try to emulate them. But I think once in a while, it's good to watch something that maybe doesn't uh, get a base hit uh, sure. in order to see what went wrong and why and how I'm never going to do that thing. And so I think that's important. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is instructive. It's yeah. instructive. We can learn something from mistakes, just like we can learn from amazing movies. But Andy, I needed an amazing movie for next week. Oh, what movie uh, are we tackling next week? A little known classic, known as The Lion King. Never heard of it. Uh, the never heard of it. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> much much like there's there's some lingo. If you like Cetus Lapidus, <laughs> wait till you learn about Hakuna Matata. But um, but I think I think. You might enjoy this little gem. We are watching the original animated movie uh, from the 1990s, and I'm so excited.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please, please, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at, at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6, or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a Disney podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see this Lupita. I mean, see,
1: <laughs> see you real soon. <laughs> Cetus Lupinus. <laughs>